Why do we tend to go back to our old lives when there is something new and better waiting for us? It's a human tendency that we're gonna tackle as we go through our new series, Red, White, and Deja Vu. Let's hop in now and see what this week's message is. YouTube, it's new, I guess. And uh, so, anyways, it was fun. So, my I don't usually get a Sunday off, uh, and so like do like you guys are normal human beings. I'm a atypical, not not normal. So, like for me, I can't really take my family away for a weekend, like on a camping trip or something like that. So, last week was awesome. I took my family to D.C. because that's what you do the weekend before the Fourth of July, and you have the weekend off as a pastor. You go to D.C. And so we went to D.C., and if you guys remember, when you take a 7-year-old, a 5-year-old, and a 3-year-old to D.C. that requires miles and miles of walking on a day that it's 95 degrees, you can imagine how much fun that trip was, because uh, they didn't complain at all. They were angels. Uh, and, uh, and so that was, that was a joy. And uh, so the next day, we, we had a hotel. My, uh, my mom came with us, and uh, she got a hotel for us, so we didn't have to travel back and forth. And we went to Baltimore, the Inner Harbor, which was really, really cool. I've never really been to the Inner Harbor well, many years ago, but I, you know, it was, it was really, it's a really nice place. You guys been to the Inner Harbor? You should go, just not on a Sunday. And uh, so it was cool. And uh, so I'm there Sunday morning, and uh, my son is a uh, shark fanatic. Uh, ask him anything about sharks, and uh, he will teach you, my seven-year-old. And, uh, and so we went to the, this aquarium thing that they have in Baltimore that's supposed to be pretty good. And uh, it took a long time, and so we wanted lunch afterwards. And by the time we got out, every, like, non-chain restaurant was like an hour wait, hour wait, hour wait. Super annoying. And so we ended up at Chipotle. So we, uh, E. coli didn't come with our meal, but we went to Chipotle, and, uh, and we, got, we got some really good burritos. It was a super long line at Chipotle. And uh, so Ava, Ava's there with the kids. They're at a table. I'm in line to get all the Chipotle meal, the order and whatnot. My mom's in line with me. And, like, we just get into line. The line's literally going out to the door. And this guy comes in and, and says, hey, uh, two choices. Uh, can you give me money or can you buy me a burrito? And I, in my head, the snarky non-pastor in me was like, I kind of have a third option too, but we'll just bypass that. And, uh, uh, yeah, so I was, like, instantly, like, I was, like, I wanted to kind of, like, puff up, but I was, like, no, I can't do that. Pastor, you have to be, you know, Jesus. And, uh, and so on Thursday, I had just talked to you all via the YouTube about sharing the gospel. And here comes a man who actually was really nicely dressed and said to me, two options, burrito or money. And I looked at the line, and I thought, I choose burrito. And, uh, and so we chose burrito, and he had to sit in line with me for about 15, 17 minutes. And uh, in my head, I wanted to stay silent. In my head, I was like, God, this is my Sunday off. Like, like I'm, not, I'm supposed to not do this today. And uh, that's completely 
inaccurate. And, uh, and so I started just asking him questions about his life. And he was 35, is 35, 35 days clean. And uh, he didn't really want to talk to me, but I was like, I kept hanging the burrito over his head type of a thing. And uh, so he was slowly opening up, but he was getting more and more frustrated with me that I was asking him questions, that I cared to get to know him, that I wasn't just going to sit in line and just let him be like, eh, like, eh. And, and so I, I got to know him, and then he kind of shut down. And at that point, I got real frustrated. And I kind of got a little animated because I, I, I'm sitting, and I'm, I, he shut down. And I was like, listen here. You walked in here. I was like, you could talk to anybody in this little here like Chipotle place, but you came to me. You see any other pastors in this room? You think it's an accident that you jumped into line and talked to probably the only pastor in this room who's making you sit in line and ask you questions and dig out that you have a need for Jesus Christ in your life? This is not an accident. I'm going to buy you a burrito, but I want to tell you something about far surpasses any burrito that you could ever talk about, that I could ever talk about. I started laying into him, not laying into him, I was telling him about Jesus. I was like, hey, there's this woman at a well who she was really, really thirsty, but Jesus was like, you'll never thirst again. I was like, you want a burrito? You'll never want a burrito again. I started like tying all that in. And uh, he didn't really understand what I was throwing down. You all do. But, uh, but in that moment, I was like, as I was getting in, I was like, listen, I used to struggle with alcohol. I used to struggle with girls. I used to struggle with all these things. I had all the cravings similar to your cravings. And guess what? I stopped. But I stopped when I let Jesus be my craving. And when Jesus became those, that my craving, those things seemed not to matter as much anymore. And so in like a 20-second little time frame, I was able to give him my testimony. And, it, and I don't know, he didn't like all of a sudden like pray and be like, yo, I want Jesus. Because uh, when we got to the burrito line, he started hitting on every single woman working the burrito line. And I was like super awkward, like, yeah, I'm, I'm paying, but... I don't, I don't want to date. My wife's right over there. And uh, when are we all tempted to stay silent? Have you ever found yourself in a Chipotle line where you have the opportunity to speak? Do you speak or do you stay silent? And why are we accustomed to stay silent? And, and when we speak, or, 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 or maybe we're the opposite, where we're always speaking, we're always telling our story, but... We're always making ourselves the center of our story. Is there perhaps a need to speak up more often that Chipotle lines aren't accidents? That you and I each have a story to tell that can make God the center of our story. And, and hopefully, maybe one day they will glorify, worship, want Jesus Christ when they hear what God has done in a sinner's life like myself. And so Paul finds himself in a situation that demands that he tell his story. And he could choose to tell his story or choose to stay silent. And he is motivated by the gospel of Jesus Christ to speak up and to tell his story. So before we read this, let me just pray one more, one more time. God, I think and I know that your Holy Spirit is moving and that your Holy Spirit wants to move. And Father, I believe that your Holy Spirit 
uses the word of God. And so, Father, as we enter into a time where we're going to talk about the word of God, Father, Lord, Holy Spirit, move in this place. Father, that people hear this is not a Chipotle line, but this is still, nonetheless, this is not an accident. They are here for a reason and for a purpose. And so, Father, I pray that you will move through these next few moments. And, Father, I am privileged, I am honored to be a sinner turned saint by the power of Jesus Christ. Father, speak now in your name. Amen. So Paul shares his motivation of why he's going to share his story. He says this, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was it taught, but I received it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you did watch the YouTube video, you know that we've started a series on the book of Galatians. And here's what's, where it's happening. Paul went to this region of, of the world, Galatia. He talked to a whole bunch of different churches. They said yes to the gospel. They started forming these churches. And then his gospel message was getting attacked. These Judaizers, Jewish people, turned Christians, started saying, oh, yeah, you need Jesus plus all these works, all these laws. You need to add to the gospel, add to the gospel. And so Paul's message of grace, the true beauty of, of grace and, and Jesus' free gift of the gospel was being attacked. And so Paul is now... His motivation is to say, to attack them of sorts by building up his own credibility. They're trying to discredit me to discredit my message. If I can build up my credibility, then my message maintains its credibility. And so they have likely accused him of certain things. And so he says, this is not according to man. I did not receive it from man. These things have not been taught to me. He uses some negatives, which are likely to, to help defend against direct accusations that these people have put on him to discredit him. And, G, and he says in the positive, this came directly from God. There is no middleman. This is, I didn't receive this from anybody else. I received this gospel message directly from God. That's my source of truth. And so I pause. In a room like this, I would be naive to think every single person here says, I have said yes to a relationship with Jesus. It's a free gift. It's not by works. I, I, I will boast in Jesus, not self. That if I were to do a survey, there are still people here in this room that if I said, why? If you die, how? How do you know you're going to heaven? There, and I hope it's not the majority, but it might even be the majority that our, our, our inclination, our, our, our custom is to say, well, I'm a pretty good person. God loves me enough not to turn his back on me. I'm not all that bad. My good is a lot better than my, than my bad. That is, our, that is our human nature. And so Paul, right from the beginning, is saying, my source of truth is God himself. And so my question to you is, where do you get your source of truth? And are you willing to weigh, hang eternity on your source of truth? Are you going to trust yourself? with eternity. I know me. I don't know you that well yet or whatnot, but I know me. I don't want to trust me with eternity. I'll screw that up nine times out of ten. Ten out of ten. So where do you get your source of truth? Paul, Paul, Paul will continue as, he, as he's debating, as he's talking about himself. He says, this, I didn't dream this up. And because, again, this isn't what, this human nature is such where we wouldn't, if you were going to start your own religion right now, your own little cult, your own little piece of faith, here's what you would do in your religious system. You would create a system that says, do good, 
don't do bad. Let your good outweigh the bad. If you're going to create, some, like every other religion in the world has some sort of this do, do, good, 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 less, 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 bad. And then just have it, like let the, let the pendulum or whatever, the weights outweigh whatever. That's how our human nature would create it. If you were to determine your own favor with God, you would say the same thing. You would emphasize human works. And that is why the message of grace, what Paul is preaching, is so counterintuitive. You mean Jesus Christ loves me, not because of me, but in spite of me? You mean he's free for all? I mean, I don't have to do anything to earn it. He just wants to give himself to me. That last song we sang, that he's in relentless pursuit of me. I know me. I'm not worth being in relentless pursuit of. But Jesus says I'm worth it. And he doesn't want anything in return. He just wants me. This message is counterintuitive. And so Paul will tell his story, and what we'll see is that God really loves bad people. <laughs> he loves really bad people. So if you're a bad person, if you walked in thinking, well, the, the building's going to burn down when I walked in, well, you're in good company. <laughs> you raising your hand over there? <laughs> you have tattoos, you sinner. <laughs> I'm kidding. Look at the other sermon. Uh, so this is what Paul talks about with his, with his old life. He's, he says this as he continues on, his old, explaining his old life. You want to talk about a bad man? For you have heard of my former life, former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Paul, Paul looks at his old life and, and, and he says, I used to be a persecutor. I, I was really into this whole religious thing. I was really into keeping the law, keeping it perfectly. He did it so well that he was better than most of the people around him. He was advancing beyond them. And so the, him and his, and his religious buddies, they hated Christianity. They hated this thought that Jesus would give himself freely to people, and so there, with so Paul, with permission, because out of his hatred for Christianity, had legal permission to go, he's on his way to Damascus, to destroy the church, to lock them up, to cause pain to them, to inflict them, to persecute them, to destroy what is against their religious belief. You know what you, when you persecute people because they're doing something different than your religious beliefs, you know what you are? A terrorist. Paul is, a, is an ancient day terrorist traveling from city to city invoking harm on people because they don't agree with the message of Judaism. And he was so sincere. He thought he was advancing. He thought everything is going well. This is good. In his mind, he sincerely thought he was right. Sincere people can also be wrong. Sincerity, even with the best of intentions, doesn't always lead you to Jesus. You can think yourself to be very sincerely right, but you might, in fact, be sincerely wrong. Paul thought he was sincerely doing the right thing until Jesus showed up. Check out Mikkel's story. What was life like before Jesus? Uh, the best way I could say this is I was a living dead. Um, I've been an addict for a long time, and 
I lived in self-will and um, I was basically living to die without realizing it. Maybe taking my life into my own hands, thinking I had control over something that in the end I realized I definitely did not have control over. So she explains her old story. It, it, was, it was all about Mikkel. It was all about this is me, this is my life. And, and I'm sure there's elements where she would look back and think, I was sincerely doing this, that, the other thing. And it led to jail time. And praise God, what we're going to see is Mikkel is a changed woman, not because of Mikkel's efforts, but because of the power of Jesus Christ. No matter your old life, it is Jesus that is the difference maker. And so here, for you and I, the question becomes, as we examine somebody's old life, the question for you and I, are you like that where you're advancing, where you're doing things all right, where you have your career, you're, you're, you're landing every job, you're, 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 you're nailing every account, you're the greatest teacher on the world, you're the greatest nurse, you're, you're sincerely attacking life and advancing, 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 advancing. Your religious beliefs you think are so sincerely right, but what if you're wrong? Are you willing to hang eternity on that? And might, just might, if you're in here on the opposite side of the spectrum, where you think, I am so wretched, God would never want me. He doesn't want me to really hang out with him in eternity, forever and ever. He wants anybody but me. He looked at a terrorist and said, I want you. Jesus is the deference maker. And so here's how Paul found life. We talked about his old life. Here's how he found life. He says this, but when, uh, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach among the Gentiles. This is a terrorist turned evangelist. That's a sign of grace. That's Paul's story of conversion. Now, conversion is a churchy word. <laughs> Again, and we joke about this water cooler that I don't think really exists at any place of employment. And, uh, and so th this water cooler type thing, you're not going to go into, into school tomorrow. Well, there's no school. You're not going to go into your place of employment tomorrow at your home and be like, well, I've converted to Christianity. Like, people are going to look at you weird because that's kind of a churchy word. That, that's actually kind of a turn off to some non-churchy people. But conversion is exactly what the type of word that would describe what's happening to Paul. How, how his life has completely changed around. So, so here are some elements of conversion that would be important for you and I to consider as we consider Paul's new life. First off, conversion involves God's intervention. Paul is on his way to the city called Damascus. He's riding his donkey, his jack butt, if you will, which is another name for donkey. He's riding his donkey, and God shows up in a bright light, knocks him off of his donkey onto his donkey, another name, <laughs> and uh, knocks him off his donkey onto his donkey and says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And, and, and Paul looks at him, Lord, Lord, is that you? And that is, is the start of Paul changing everything around. God showed up on the scene. So conversion involves God's intervention. There is no less likely candidate for salvation than Paul. But God showed up and said, I want you. You have a story where you found life for many of you. Wouldn't there be a holy conjunction of God showing up? This whole, but God, I was doing this, I was doing this, but then, but then God meets me in my story, and there's this conjunction of, but God, but God, but God. 
telling somebody in Chipotle I was running my own race until God became my craving. That holy conjunction. God shows up on the scene. Conversions also involve God's eternal planning. Do you, do you see how Paul viewed his life now? How he, in his sincerity, his whole mindset has changed. In his, he, he's changed it where he's like, I was living my, I was running my race. I was rebelling against God. I was doing my thing. But before I was born, God set me apart. God's been planning out my salvation, has been in pursuit of me for all of, of my life. Even before I was born, he's in pursuit of you. And you may not know it, but you may be fighting it at the same time. He's in pursuit of you. Paul sees that, and he says, I've been set on part, and God is a patient God. And here's why he set me apart. To put me on mission to people that no one else is reaching. This whole religious landscape is all Jews, 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 Jews. He set me apart to reach people that aren't being reached, the non-Jewish people. So God, in his eternal planning, has, 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 put, God, has put Paul on mission. The, the third thing that conversion involves for you and I as we consider our finding life stories is that it involves seeing the glory of Christ. This is a rare occurrence where Jesus from heaven reveals himself to a man here on earth, knocks him off of his donkey, onto his donkey, and says, Paul, I want you, you're mine. He's, he's set apart for something. Paul saw the glory of Jesus Christ. And, and because he saw the glory of Jesus Christ, he realized that salvation was not meant for Paul himself. That he wasn't saved by grace so that he can build a little hut and hide in a little hut until he dies and reaches heaven. That I have seen the glory of God. My life is changed. And now I'm not going to live in my little hut. I want others to know about it. I am, now, I am now a beacon of the glory of Jesus Christ. I want others to see God's glory through me because Paul has seen it. Now he becomes a beacon. God's call on his life is an actionable call. He was walking a road to destroy a church, and God showed up. And Paul does a complete 180. Check out the second part of Mikel's story. I came to know Jesus. First, I want to say God has always been there. I grew up in a Christian school. I had knowledge of him but did not understand or know him. So I came to know Jesus um, in jail. That's when I really started to hear his message. That's when I had my um, quiet time and uh, what they, they say spiritual time out and that's basically what it was for me. Um, I will say that part of that is also I died when I was in jail in 2016 and um, I was dead for over two hours and I was coma for six days. I had to learn how to walk. And I just feel like that particular scenario, that situation that happened was like me being reborn again. The scales were lifted off my eyes and I started to see and hear things differently that I didn't see before. And although my life did not change right away because I didn't know how to stop living the way it was, um, going to jail helped pursue that, that, that new life. Kel has new life, and uh, she's instantly put on mission where she has helped us collect things for other people in jail. And, and she's put on mission because her new life isn't only about her. her. Her salvation has come with a commission. She's like Paul. Paul writes, and in that scripture he says there's a so that clause, so that others would hear about the gospel of truth, that he is saved for a purpose. Your conversion that we just talked about comes with a commission. So do me a favor. Tap the person next to you and, says, and say conversion comes with commission. Do it. 
Because we, we cannot leave here, we cannot leave here thinking that our faith is unto ourselves. That God has saved you for a reason. Paul is going to live a very hard life. He is going to get his proverbial and literal behind kicked for the rest of his life. He's going to live a very hard life, but he's going to live a life with purpose. And I would rather live a difficult life with purpose than an easy but meaningless life. And so Paul is put on mission where he knows that Jesus has saved him from the inside out, where he has a new identity, a new source of power, that his power isn't from within in his own works, that his power is the Holy Spirit living in and through him, that the Holy Spirit oozes out of him, that God didn't leave him on a road, he didn't leave him where he found him, but God saved him and he's a completely different man listen to me god did not save you so you could find a better version of the old jew the old jew is dead we have found life and now we celebrate new life not a better old life it is completely new life and so paul We'll talk about this new life. He says this, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those uh, who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went to Jerusalem to visit uh, Cyprus, known as Peter, and, and and remained with him for 15 days. But I saw no of the, none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Uh, in what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went to the regions of Syria and, and Sicily, and I was unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ Jesus. Paul talks about what he did right away to, dis- to establish that this gospel was found in no one else but Jesus Christ. He didn't rush to people. Paul, here, here's, we can read in Acts 9 what really happened here. He, fill in the gap a little bit. Paul was saved. He found new life. And he started. He's on this road to Damascus to destroy the church. God knocks him onto his butt and says, you're mine. Paul says yes. And he immediately, in that city, starts preaching Jesus Christ, a risen Savior. The Savior that he came to destroy. And, and, these, and these Jewish people want to now kill Paul. And, and so Christians, who would naturally fear Paul for being want, him wanting to destroy them, then come to his rescue, lower him out of the city, and he goes into Arabia because he's, in essence, running for his life because he instantly started preaching Jesus. You say yes to Jesus, you're not saying yes for your own little self. You're saying yes to be put on mission and live a life of purpose. And that is exactly what Paul does. He comes back sometime later. He's preaching again. And then he goes to Jerusalem. He meets two very important people in Jerusalem. Peter, who's a, if if you know all, if you don't know all the disciples, you likely know Peter. And he meets James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ, two pinnacles of the faith who affirm the message that Paul has already been preaching. And so that's the important part of why Paul is telling this part of his story, that he was put on mission. And these people that are attacking him would be saying, hey, listen, you need to turn away from what Paul is saying because the apostles don't agree with him. And Paul tells the story to say, hey, 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 I've been preaching this. This doesn't come from them, but it's affirmed by them. If you turn away from the message I'm preaching, you're turning away from the apostles, and you're turning away from God himself because God has confirmed this message. 
This is a persecutor turned preacher because he instantly starts preaching. You and I are put on mission for Jesus Christ. And the question becomes for us, do we put ourselves in situations where our story needs to be told? Are we silent because ourselves is the focus? Are we silent because we're not putting ourselves in a situation where the gospel is needed? Are we silent because we don't look at a a Chipotle line as an opportunity to share our story and share Jesus? Paul didn't stay silent because he couldn't keep it in. Check out the rest of Mikkel's story. My life is different now with being in a relationship with Jesus because he never lets me stray too far anymore. Um, Now that I'm aware of him being in my life and... I go through many, many, many trials since I've been home. It's only been six months, but um, he does not let me get far. My promise to him, I have to say, was to commit my life to him after being in jail, after being in Bible study and learning about him. My commitment was to be in God, to find a church and to be accountable to people in church and be accountable to my family. I would not even be in Ocean County if it wasn't for my mom. But. Um, Everything happens for a reason. So like now that I'm clean and I'm working with God and I'm going to meetings and I'm learning about me, I have a lot of falls. I have a lot of falls in this process, but it's my faith in God that I know things will get better. That kind of gives me a lot of hope and um, a lot of encouragement. And I know I'm a strong person and every time I fall, I won't allow myself to stay down for too long. I have to like get up and brush my shoulders off. It is what it is for me right now. Um, And I'm really grateful. I'm grateful for Wellspring. I'm grateful for you guys. I'm grateful for Jason and Ava and Life Group. I am like, I need people in my life that are healthy in church or in meetings, even at my job, to give me encouragement. Like, um, I see love in everything. I do, I do. And as long as I receive love, even if it's from God or from church, when I fall, I know okay. I know it's okay. It's a work in progress. Getting to know God and trying to strive to be a better person is really hard. <laughs> but it, I, I, I kind of like the challenge, so I'll take it. <laughs> Can we celebrate that Mikkel is a new person? Can we celebrate that she's no longer in jail, but that going to jail helped her to find Jesus, and here she is helping us with our mission to relentlessly love our community, to to ignite a craving for Jesus through those efforts. Because Jesus is the agent of life change. So Paul is telling his story. We understand why he might be telling his story, but why would you and I need to tell a story, a God's story uh, through us? Why would we need to share that? I think that the main thought for us this morning is that we need to tell others what God has done because it may lead to worship. It may lead to others grasping this relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's how Paul concludes this section. I'm going to read this twice because I really want this to sink in for us. This is what happens as a result of Paul telling his story and living out his story. He says, but, but they only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. They were only hearing it said. Here's all that sank in. He used to persecute us. Now he's preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. 
I want to die one day and hope that there are people glorifying God because of what they saw God do through me. Wouldn't we all want that? That Paul, they, they're looking at Paul and they're seeing the difference that Jesus can make in somebody's life. And it brings them to a place of worship. He was once against us. He was once destroying us. He was once a thorn in my side. But now he's preaching the gospel message. He is, he is our brother in Christ. And I'm going to worship God because of it. You have a story to tell. And it is not typical. I don't care if it involves drugs. Or I don't care if you grew up in a Christian home. And you happen to find Jesus through that process. It is not typical for wretched man to be loved by holy God. You have an atypical story to talk about, an atypical God, a God worthy of worship. And will we tell that story? Will you tell your story of a sinner rescued by God, not condemned by God? You have a story to tell because only God can transform a person from the inside out. We value uncommon relationships here. We value differences in our relationships. Here's one of the reasons we value uncommon relationships. Because there's no more uncommon relationship than me looking at the weight of my sin, the weight of all my wrong, and saying, holy God wants me. He wants not only me, but he wants to put me on mission. He trusts me with the mission to go on mission. We have a testimony to tell. Will you look at your conversion as a co-mission and speak up about it? Will you tell others about your testimony, your story of faith? And so that is my challenge to you. I don't make this challenge lightheartedly. Last week, if you watched YouTube, the challenge was to share the gospel. I hope there are people here today because you took this, this salvation message that I'm going to be on mission with Jesus Christ, and you shared the gospel with somebody this past week. I just so happened to do it in Chipotle because God threw it right in front of me. My challenge for you this week is that you will tell your one, your story of freedom. You've been praying for somebody. God, I want them, I want them to come to Jesus. God, I, I'm on mission for this person. I'm praying for them every single day. Are you going to tell them your story of freedom? Will, will you start with maybe just your story? Why, why tell your story? Because I think that's one of the most effective ways to witness to somebody. Tell your story. We live in a world where reviews is everything. Many of you came here and you went on Facebook and checked out reviews. You went on, you went on Google and checked out reviews. You, looked, you wanted testimonials. My wife is starting her own business. You want to know what I did this week? I jumped on my kids' Google email addresses went on my wife's business and they all gave her a five-star review so she has four five-star reviews so that when people Google her they're going to give her business and, and that's awesome because we live in a world where reviews and testimonies matter. I spent 60 stupid dollars on a Nutribullet on Friday night, Friday night, I went to, we were doing like this special little diet and whatnot, and I have to eat like all stupid healthy and whatnot, and, and I was, we, so we went to Whole Foods to buy healthy food, and so naturally if you go to Whole Foods, what you do at, what you do beforehand is you go to Cheesecake Factory, and you eat a lot of cheesecake before you start this diet, so me and the Wilsons, Graham and Heather, we went to, went to Cheesecake Factory and ate a whole lot of food, and then we were going to go to Whole Foods. And while we were killing time, the ladies were like, oh, there's an Ulta, which is like makeup and stuff. And fun fact, they don't give away the makeup for free. And, uh, and so I was like, I can't go in there. I'm, I have to make a call that my credit card's stolen. 
And, uh, and so we were going for a walk. I didn't actually do that. But uh, we we're going for a walk. Graham and I are walking. We, we walk into uh, Best Buy, which is like Graham's, like, he's the tech guy. So, like, this is like his mecca, if you will. I, I can't. This is like his Jerusalem. Sorry. Uh, and, uh, and so he's in there. And we're just walking. I walk down this aisle. I was like, oh, man, I really wanted a Nutribullet. He's like, yeah, your shakes, I've had them, and they suck. There's like, there's like so much chunky kale in your shakes, and uh, I got a Nutribullet. I watched video after video, and this makes it really like juicy. You, you would love this. And I was like, oh, yeah, I hate the chunky. And so like it was literally 14 seconds of time. He, didn't, he, he wasn't trying to sell me on this, but he gave a testimony. And I spent 60 bucks on it. <laughs> we have a testimony to tell that's free. It doesn't cost us 60 bucks. Could you tell your story in a way that would make Jesus so attractive where people can't help but pull him off the shelf and say, he's mine? And so here, as, as, as we close out, I, I want to I give us four quick things. As you take this challenge, I'm going to be real quick with this. Four quick things. of you. Here are th- four things that you shouldn't do. What you shouldn't do is not to force it. I know I'm giving you a challenge, but let's not force it. Let's not go into your coffee shop tomorrow, buy a cup of coffee, and he says, oh, here's 92 cents. 92 cents is your change. And you're like, well, let me tell you, in 1992, I experienced some change. Like, that's forced. Like, five minutes later, they're like, I didn't think, just take your change. Like, okay, so let's not force it. Let's, let's not preach. Don't preach. Just talk. They're human beings, so treat them like a human being. Don't force it. Don't preach. Just talk. Don't generalize. Be specific. Talk about events. Talk about places. Talk about feelings. Talk about, like, you're a real person. This meant something to you, so don't generalize. Be specific. Don't talk churchy. Like, I was redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and I was baptized into the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and so the grace of God, and like, you use all these churchy terms that you and I, like, rav- like we love these terms. They're meaningful terms. I was, I was justified, and I was sanctified. But on the other end of the conversation is going to be somebody that's never heard any one of these terms, and they're going to look at you like, yo, I don't want what you're throwing down because I don't even understand what you're throwing down. So, so don't use churchy terms, and, and then here are three things that you should do as you tell your story this week and as you're on mission for Jesus Christ. Be brief. Paul tells his story in 14 verses. You don't have to go on for hours and hours. Be brief. Second thing, be logical. Paul talks about, use the format that we share today. Talk about your old life. Talk about finding life. Talk about new life. The three phases to your life in Jesus Christ. Use that as a logical flow to your story. And then lastly, be humble. We as Christians, we we can't be talking, even though you're telling your story, it's really God's story through you. Tell your story in a way where God gets all the glory, all the honor, all the credit. It's, It's really about God, isn't it, at the end of it? So tell your story where you're humbly pointing people towards Jesus through what he's done in your life. And the end result might be that people might look at what he's done in your life and say, God, I want to give you glory because I see this normal person in front of me and what you've done, that you're the difference maker. I pray that as you tell your story this week, that a craving for Jesus would be ignited in our community. And it might lead people to worship. Thank you so much for watching. If this was your first time with us, we hope you enjoyed that message. And if you call Wellspring Church home, different ways to give are listed in the video description below. And please subscribe to our Facebook, Instagram, and this YouTube channel to be kept up in all the newest content from Wellspring Church.